All right, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ego Check with the DM. I am your host, Michael Mallon, and today I am joined by Jeff Chin, co-founder of Road to Infamy Games. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking with him and the other co-founder of Road to Infamy Games back in uh, about a summer ago, August 2016. Uh, back then we were talking about their previous game, Galactic Debate, which is now called uh, Cosmocracy. Um, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But today I want to talk about one of their new games that they're kickstarting called Bowties and just kind of the process of getting a game uh, crowdfunded and kind of learning about that process. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. So diving right in to just the whole process of coming up with an idea about a game, getting it off the ground, getting it funded. This is your third go around with that. Um, the first game uh, is kind of the company's name, Road to Infamy. Uh, have that game, played it. It's really enjoyable. Just what have you learned about getting board games, getting games off the ground, and, and getting them made into a tangible product? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of a, a, a broad right. topic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a learning experience going from that first game, Road to Infamy, you mentioned, um, which was very much something we started as working on just for fun. You know, it was a project that we were working on just to entertain our friends originally and just kind of evolved into something that we realized, hey, pe you know, our friends liked this game enough. Maybe other people will like it too. And so when, when that campaign did well, that led to, okay, so what's the, the next step from that? And so we we made Galactic Debate and now Bowties, which I think has a, a much wide, wider spread audience. Um, so it's it's been a lot of um, very different types of games we've done since the uh, original uh, light bidding strategy game to now a very social party game. What was the inspiration for Bowties, since that's the, the new game that's out and you currently have a Kickstarter project running for that? Yeah, so that, that started with uh, a New Year's party back a couple years ago. We, we made a, a little game just to entertain our friends, thinking it would just be a little pregame thing to do for five, ten minutes, and then we'd move on to other things. And so we, we had these post-it notes, and we would stick them to these cardboard uh, New Year's tiaras that people wearing were wearing on their heads. And they would say, you know, you have to drink when you laugh or when you smile or when you check your phone. And people had such a blast with it. And it ended up being the activity for the entire night. And so that's when we realized we might be onto something with this. Um, so we started uh, fine-tuning that and figuring out which rule cards worked and which didn't. And eventually, um, the, you know, the post-it notes on the tiaras became these cards that you would clip to your shirt. Um, but it all stemmed from that one original party. That's just that one original idea um, to entertain some friends. And it ended up working out pretty well. It sounds like it was a good time for everybody. <laughs> yeah. What's the process of taking that idea that's literally on post-it notes with friends and trying to turn that into something that's a product that you can get funded and sell to people? Like, What are, what are the different steps involved? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the first steps are, you know, tons and tons of prototyping and play testing and, and making sure that, uh, you know, the game is – 
absolutely perfect. The rules are understandable um, to a blind playtester, someone that's never seen the the game before had the the game explained to them and once you you feel like you have the product ready then you you move on to you know your pre-marketing and ex- getting the game exposed to as many people as possible and once you've you feel like you've you've reached enough people then we we launch the kickstarter and then begins a a stressful month of uh more promotion and playing the games at events and conventions and things and then if if you get funded uh we like we move we move right into manufacturing immediately after the campaign ends and from there the distribution and uh continue to to sell it on on our own and reaching out to to game shops and and things like that so it sounds like you are doing everything from the conceptualizing the product testing it uh manufacturing distribution so you're kind of have your hands in everything is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you self-publish a game, it's you're really covering every aspect of the game production. What's been the most challenging thing with, not so much with bow ties, but just with any of the games that you've put out there for people to, to play and enjoy, what's been the hardest thing to get off the ground? We found with bow ties, it's hard, it's surprisingly difficult to nail down what the most identifiable uh, and most common human traits are. Because in the game, you're drinking every time you, you do something and you're unaware of what your card says. So we, we've had cards, you know, things uh, like, I drink when I touch my hair, I drink when I touch my phone. And those are things that are common enough and they, they work really well. But we needed enough cards to, to fill the deck. And so it took a lot of testing before we really found the right combination of cards of because we didn't want anything that would uh where where players would feel would have a negative uh feeling from being called out for it right like we've had cards like make fun of someone or you know if you disagree things like that and so we we really wanted to keep the the game in a more positive light and get rid of any of those cards. We want to get rid of any cards that weren't common enough. We had some trigger word cards, you know, when you say like I or me or and or but, and we had to figure out which cards you could be aware of yourself saying mm-hmm. and were also common enough in the English language where you would say them casually at a party. So there's, it's really hard to identify those traits. Yeah. And so I, I think, people listening might have a clear explanation of the game so you have these cards and are they about the size of playing cards are they a bit smaller yeah they're they're a little bigger um so they're they're tarot size cards yeah okay and then you have this device that comes with the game where you can clip it to the collar of your shirt the card hangs out for other people to read you're not able to see it and so for example one of the cards i think is like check my phone so anytime if you're at a party, you're wearing this card, you check your phone, somebody else can tell you to drink. That's the gist of it, correct? Right, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's about it. So it's, it's really just kind of an icebreaker, gets everyone in the, the room talking to each other. Um, it's just a, a very light social party game that you can play while people are walking around a party, just mingling or even playing other games. You know, you get a, a game of beer pong or something like that going. You can also be playing bow ties and calling out your friends for their um, habits while you're doing other activities. So it reminds me of, I don't know if it was season one or two of The Office where they had Diversity Day and they had to wear 
the label of a different group and that created a lot of hijinks and really uncomfortable humor. But if people remember that episode, that is kind of the same deal. I wonder, you mentioned being a psychologist, the thing you were just talking about, I find kind of interesting of like looking at people's behavior to see what behaviors they do, like most often during a party. So what were some of the more interesting ones that made it made their way to cards? It's it's definitely super interesting to see like what people actually do, right, and what they are and aren't aware of. Um, so we we've had some really really fun ones, um, like when I set my drink down, which is a really fun card because it it can lead to kind of a cascading effect of of drinking, right? Someone takes a drink, they set their drink down. And then you tell them they have to drink again. So they pick it up and they have to set their drink down. They say, okay, I really have to go, you know, to the bathroom or I want to go talk to my friend. They set their drink down. They're like, no, you have to drink. And they pick up their cup again. And eventually they figure it out. And um, so sometimes you get humorous situations like that. Uh, And uh, another big part of the game is people baiting each other into doing their own rule. Meaning if, if I have a card that says talk about sports all of a sudden everyone around me is going to be talking about sports trying to egg me on to get me to do it and so everyone becomes very hyper aware of (laughs) other people talking to them and so that that can be a a very comical situation as well so i wonder being uh because you know certainly being going through college and even a little bit of grad school like drinking games certainly were enjoyable back in the day. Now, now I'm an old man past 40, so these things don't really uh, – I can't really afford to do those things anymore. But I wonder that people get competitive and they want to, quote, unquote, win the game. So is there a way to, to win bow ties? Yeah, so the winner of the game is the player who figures out three of their own rule cards. So every time you figure out a rule card, then – um, you, everyone does a social drink and then you take a new card and you clip it on over your previous one. Once you've figured out the third one, you go. But what we've found is almost every time we play, people like to just keep the game going um, rather than determine a winner. People prefer to just play um, just for the sake of, you know, continuing to to socialize and drink at the party. So, and I imagine as more drinks are going, people are enjoying themselves more. Given that the game is kind of a vehicle for alcohol and that brings in, um, obviously, I don't know, do you have to have any kind of disclaimer on the game or in the rules? How does that work? We we did. Um, we did add a, a disclaimer in the rules. Um, of course, yeah, you you always want people to, to be careful and you, you have to, to cover yourself. Uh, legally as well for liability reasons. So that is definitely something we we took into consideration. I, I just researched some other uh, party drinking games. So okay. uh, right now it's uh, pretty much some like copied language from what seems to be kind of the norm. But before we uh, we go through the final printing of that, we're, we'll definitely do some okay. more legal research. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about this game is that you could – it's sort of like in some ways cards against humanity. If like nothing's going on or you're in the middle of just having people over, you can break that out and play, play the game. You mentioned kind of playing this along with other drinking games or just any other games in general. So I know a lot of people listening are into board games and games like Dungeons and Dragons, like role-playing games. 
where you could have this going on as well as some other type of activity. How how has that gone as you, as you've play tested it, or if you've play tested that sort of thing at all? Yeah, yeah, we've definitely play tested that. It's it's really fun. Um, so we we found it works really well with some games and not so much for others. And you you really have to kind of pick and choose, right? So you wouldn't want to play bow ties while you're playing a heavy Euro strategy game, you know, getting a round of Scython or something, anything where you're just like, your focus is on the game board. Um, your focus is on strategy. The game uh, playing bow ties with that doesn't really help because you're not focused on the other player's mannerisms. However, if you're, if you're playing very socially oriented games, uh, things like resistance or even just very simple um, card games, or other drinking games, like I said, um, beer pong, or um, if you're, you know, any other drinking games, Circle of Death, things like that, it works really well in those scenarios too. Yeah, we used to play like Flip Cup and all kinds of yeah. all kinds of games back in the day. Be, yeah, I don't think my friends you'd get too much traction playing the latest Pandemic Legacy. Although I guess it could be funny. <laughs> Because uh-huh. <laughs> that game was intense, and if you, people are having too much to drink or getting distracted and then making mistakes in the game, it's you know all of Europe can be wiped out by a plague and everybody's in trouble. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely would not want to <laughs> have my drunk group of friends messing up my pandemic legacy campaign. <laughs> and and so have you taken this to? Like more public situations, so like being out at a bar or something like that, or has it been mainly just house party type of testing? We've we've done both. Um, we've done house parties, we've done bars, we've done conventions, and um, so it we've always gotten a really good response. And the, kind of the best part about uh, working on bow ties is how easy it's been to find people to play. <laughs> right, most times. Sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> seriously like most times. Uh, it's so hard to find playtesters. You know, you go to a gaming event, you're like, hey, do you want to play my game you've never heard of? And people are like, no, I really don't. And it's it's kind of this awkward approach, and you're basically begging people to play your game. But with bow ties, we've had such a very different experience where we're like, hey, do you want to play the this drinking game? You don't even have to stop what you're doing. You can keep playing this game. You can continue hanging out. Um, just, all you have to do is wear this card and drink when you do that thing. And people are like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And so, you know, we've very easily gotten an entire bar's worth of people playing this game. Nice. And one of my my favorite experiences with the game is I was visiting some friends and I brought bow ties with me. And as soon as I got to their house and I was thinking we're just going to have a real low key night, play some bow ties with like the four or five of us. Uh, but as soon as I got there, they're like, so our neighbors are having this crazy luau party. Do you guys want to go? And I'm not really the type of person that, you know, crashes some someone's party that I've never met before. I've never been that kind of guy. So I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. But they were really excited about this party. So we went over there, and it was just as awkward as I thought. Sure. Um, then my, my friend is like, hey, you should bust out bow ties. So I did, and surprisingly like within minutes people were coming up to us and you know they see the the bow tie shaped card on your collar and they're like what is with the bow tie card and so auto- automatically you're just like already in this conversation and i'm like 
So it's this drinking game where you you drink when you do the thing on your card. Do you want to play? I'm like, sure. And before I knew it, this entire room of like 50 plus people were playing the game bow ties when I would have been a normally, you know, very awkward situation for me. And it was just a very cool experience to see everyone like able to talk to each other because they were all playing the same game. Yeah, there's a few things to, to jump into there. What, what do you think it is about this game that maybe breaks through that initial, yeah, I don't really want to play that or I don't want to play test that barrier? Is it? Do you think it's the alcohol or do you think it's the what, – what elements of the game do you think appeal to people? Yeah, I think it's literally that you it doesn't take up your time, right? If you If you don't like it or don't really want to play – like that's you could basically ignore the game and that's fine. You're technically still playing it. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like someone might just tell you to drink once in a while and then you would just drink what you're already doing. Like there's so little time. There's no time commitment involved. You can just keep doing what you're already doing. It's a game you can play where the only thing you have to do is be yourself. Right. You just hang out at the party. And naturally, you're going to do the thing on your card a couple of times and be told to drink and you figure it out and you get uh, enjoyment out of just like realizing what you, uh, you know, some mannerism that you've been doing over the, the past minute that you weren't aware of previously. So there's so a low cost of entry, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the reward, I assume, is not only, like you said, if you recognize like, oh, here's why people are telling me to drink, but being watchful and pointing out things and other people, you know, is kind of a rewarding, like <laughs> kind of a funny thing to be a part of. Oh, definitely. Yeah. People love to, to pin cards on their friends and be like, Oh my gosh, Johnny, this is the perfect card for you. You know, it's, it's humorous. Like people love to be able to attach a trait to their friends. Right. Um, so one of the rules is of the game is when you're assigning cards to people, you actually get to, look at the top three cards and you choose the one that's most fitting to their personality. Oh, and nice. that's people get a lot of enjoyment out of doing that. And I think I was, you know, scrolling through the different options for the game. I think there's uh, one set where it has, you can write your own cards kind of similar to, I know cards against humanity comes with some blank cards at times. Yeah. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Same idea. So we figured uh, that'd be kind of a cool thing for people that want a more customized game. If uh, you have friends with very specific habits, you know, stuff that we wouldn't want to normally include in the game. But, you know, if you if you have a friend who just won't talk or won't stop talking about their dog or someone who burps all the time, um, something a little more specific like that, then you can customize the cards and tailor them exactly to your friend's habits. And then is there any rule for someone who just gets fed up is like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not playing this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, there, yeah, we have the rule, uh, the mercy rule. If you give up at any point, you can switch out your card. There's no reason you can't do that. There's no advantage or whatever for switching out your card. First of all, like if the game is so light and, and social, like I, no one would care if you did have some sort of advantage for switching out your card. But also, like, you just want to keep all, all the players invested at all times, right? So if you see a player that has a card that they're not likely to do, or if you see a player that's not looking like they're as engaged, you can always just say, hey, that card doesn't, you know, suit you well. I'm going to give you a new card, and you swap it out. So I'm already thinking about, and this is 
a bit of the rules lawyer in me at times um, from having run games and things like that. So is there a time limit when someone, say, does a behavior um, that you have to tell them to drink or do you have to do it right away? You have to immediately tell them to drink. Okay. Um, we, yeah, we have that rule because if, if you delay too much in telling them to drink, I mean, especially drunk people, you can't remember what you did five seconds ago. <laughs> sure. And so do people become their own investigators of let me do all these wacky behaviors and see which one gets yeah. me to trigger that people tell me to drink? Right. So that's another funny thing. Like people like really try to to narrow it down. You know, once you're told to drink, some people will just do exactly what they just did to see if they have to drink again. And if not, they're like, okay, so maybe it wasn't what I said. It was some action that I did, some gesture. And so people try and reenact whatever they just did. And that's always entertaining. And so right now, the as we're recording this, um, there's over 20 days to go in, in the Kickstarter. You guys got about a, a hundred backers and it's about 40% of the way to, to the goal as kind of the co-founder of the game and, and, the company wrote to infamy what are the next 20 days going to be like for you like what's your what's your schedule what's your stress level what's going on over there stress levels through the roof <laughs> yeah we're we're in that natural stage of the of every kickstarter campaign where um you're it's a little bit of a valley a little bit of a lull so i've heard you get you know something like 30% of your funding in the first two days of the campaign and another 30% of your funding in the last two days of your campaign. And so the remaining bit is what you get over like the middle 26 days. So um, you're, you're definitely bound to experience a little bit of stress there as the campaign slows down. And it's always a challenge um, to find ways to, to keep momentum going. And so we, we've been doing uh, giveaways. Uh, we, so we have this, this wooden box that's a custom bow ties engraved cherry wood box that we're, we're giving away to people that share the campaign. And we did an event at Dirty Nellie's where we, we gave away uh, a bunch of games that we, we had picked up from the Gaming Goat Chicago. So mm -hmm. um, it's little things like that to just get people um, involved. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of marketing for a, a whole month. So it's been fun. And you said you've been to some some cons in the past. Which uh, which conventions have you kind of talked about bow ties at? Yeah, so uh, we went to this this year's Gen Con. Okay, um, that was really exciting. Um, there was a uh, an event for the game crafter, and so all these designers there uh, out at a bar, and so we had a whole bar worth of designers playing the game. That was great. Got some really good feedback there. Um, and I just got back from Protospiel, Chicago. We did that uh, yesterday. Um, so it was, I was definitely plugging the game there as well. And ha having been through this, this grinder of sorts of, uh, in three Kickstarter campaigns, for people who are listening who might have ideas about games they have played with their friends or maybe want to turn it into a product, uh, no, it's a broad question, but what are some of the maybe do's and don'ts that you would recommend to, to folks out there who have similar ideas and want to turn it into a reality? Sure. I'd say uh, for your, if you, if you've got a game that, that you want to put on Kickstarter and self publish and, and make it a thing, I, I guess my biggest advice would be 
um, to to put it in front of as many people as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna every person you play with is gonna give you a, a different perspective about the game, and you don't always have to listen to you know and take every bit of advice to uh, that people are are giving you because ultimately you know the game best, but it's you always want to be looking at um, how people are reacting to your game. Um, so it's it's more than just the people's feedback that you have to look for. It's you know p- people's emotions and are they having fun? Are they engaged? Do they want to play again? Um, so those are all really really important things um, when working on your game. And um, as far as things you should uh, maybe steer away from, um, I guess I would say for you for a Kickstarter page. Um, it's, I'm a fan of having a, you know, a really high quality short video pitch. And I would, I really dislike the, the long, you know, just sitting in front of a webcam and talking and saying, you know, just talking about your game for, for 20 minutes. And I just don't need that. Just show me the game, keep it short and simple, work on that video pitch. And, um, I, I think projects excel, um, with brevity. And so the the video you have up on Kickstarter now for bow ties is this uh, kind of brief animated clip. Can you, you want to talk about how that came? How was that made? Oh, for the Kickstarter video. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was that was really fun. Uh, we always like to to do a real fun video shoot for each of our campaigns. So um, if you haven't seen the video, it's. Uh, uh, my co-designer Andrew, he's he, he like explains the game. And we do kind of all these crazy camera cuts to um, all these different locations where you could be playing the game at a you know at a beach at a bar, and so we 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 wanted to to show you know kind of the uh, the versatility of the game, mm-hmm. right? You could play it anywhere. You could play with your friends. You could play it while you're playing other games and. Um, we we met some film makers, uh, gin and tonic films. They have a really great uh, board game web series out right now. The last episode just came out, and it's called Getting on Board. Um, so we were actually we were part of that project. They filmed us for some interviews for that, okay. and so they they were willing to help us out with uh, shooting the the video, which was awesome because they're they're incredible videographers. Um, so I'm I'm really thankful for all their help with that project. That's great to get. I think well, I think that kind of plays into that first uh, suggestion you were telling people to get get the game out in front of as many people as possible. But also, it sounds like building relationships with other people who are who are making things, who are designing things, who are creative, and making those connections where you can help each other out. It sounds like that's been useful. Absolutely, yeah. I I think. Uh, even more so with this project than all our previous projects. And it's been crucial that, uh, you know, making connections with other designers. And um, we've been going to to game design uh, events at Ben Rossett's place. He's the designer of Between Two Cities. And, you know, a bunch of great designers come out there. And so it's just been a great way to to meet people and connect and get a lot of really awesome, helpful, helpful feedback from some really incredible designers. Yeah, I wonder about that just as a, you know, I haven't kickstarted a project and just, you know, have certainly backed some things and certainly enjoy playing board games and stuff when I when I have time and have less time now with the, with the eight-month-old sleeping upstairs as we're talking. But I've always wondered about that, just that community of folks like yourself who are out there designing games and, and 
putting them on Kickstarter, like, do you feel, is there a competition with other folks who are kind of doing the same thing where you're all targeting folks like myself who are backing games? How does that, how does that work? I don't view it so much as a competition. Um, and I, I, I have been asked that many times. I think with a, you know, previous campaigns we've launched at the same time as some other big games, you know, Siphon and, and the works and people are like, Ooh, like how, like, did that really hurt your campaign being like, uh, launching at the same time as Scythe? And, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the answer, but I, I, I at least like to think that, you know, every, people that go on Kickstarter to back games are excited about all these projects. And just because you back one thing doesn't mean you're not going to back another, like projects aren't exclusive of each other. Mm-hmm. If I buy, if I buy one game, uh, I'm not necessarily not going to buy game B over here. Right. Um, and so the fact that there are all these other great games on the market, I think only helps because more people are, are interested in gaming and people are always, uh, coming back to Kickstarter every day to see what the next new game is. Yeah, and I imagine that folks listening to this, you know, you kind of talk about some other games, some other developers, they might hear that. If you almost in some ways promoting those things, those products, those ideas, I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that. Let me go check it out. And if you're all doing that thing, it creates, a, I don't know, hopefully an, an environment where you're all supporting each other. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's that's one of the the real cool parts about the the game design industry is you know I've never met someone who with you know an, a very competitive attitude as far as you know you're trying to outshine each other everyone is uh, in it to to help each other and better each other's games as much as possible so it's it's really an incredible community. And what was your first? When did you decide? I'm going to be a game designer. Was that something that happened many years ago or is it more of a recent thing? Yeah, that was something that, uh, that happened, um, a, a year or two before road to infamy came out and me and Andrew, my co-designer were working on this online RPG campaign. And it was this hunger games themed 24 player, uh, forum based game. And which is a crazy amount of players to to manage. I don't ever recommend doing that. Um, and was it all but, text-based then? Yeah. So it was, yeah, forum-based game. So people wow. would role play and, and share and you know back and forth online in the uh, in, in the forum. And then every couple of days you would post your die rolls and you know attack the other tributes and things. And people got really into it uh, enough. Uh, so that we did it again and again, and we did four years of these wow. Hunger Games campaigns, and they would last, you know, a month and a half. And so that's when we really started thinking, hey, we should be game designers. Like that, we already are. You know, we're making games, we're entertaining groups of people. Like, why not try and make this a thing? Sure. That's some serious dedication on your part. <laughs> I'm just kind of bl- blown away by that. I'm just thinking now, like, I was just talking to somebody else this evening about playing, we play Dungeons and Dragons, and the group I play with, it's like, if we're lucky, we play once a month. It'd probably be uh-huh. easier if we were doing it online, but just, that's a lot of work to keep that, oh, yeah. that effort going for years. <laughs> I, I just applaud you. Good work. <laughs> 
Oh man, it it became like a full time job at times, <laughs> just trying to manage that many uh, player actions and stuff. But over over time, we we really streamlined the game, and it it became a lot more fun when it was more hands off for us, and we could actually uh, enjoy uh, role playing, you know, with the players rather than just trying to figure out, you know, players' actions playing out against each other all day. <laughs> And so getting back to bow ties with, you know, a, a little bit of time left in the Kickstarter, people listening, they can they can check it out. Uh, where where can they find it? Like, where can they get in touch with you if they have questions? Sure. Yeah. If you go to roadtoinfamy.com, um, you can check out all of our games and um, you can reach out uh, at roadtoinfamy at gmail.com. We're happy to answer any questions you have about it. And feel free to follow us on our Facebook page for Road to Infamy Games. We're always posting stuff about all of our new game projects and showing, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff if you're if you're into game design. And are you guys on Twitter as well? We are also on Twitter. And that's just at, at Road to Infamy? Yeah, yeah, at Road to Infamy. Okay. And so if folks are really interested in, in the game and when when can they expect to actually have it in their hands if they if they back it? We're we're hoping to have the game shipped before July. Um, we we've definitely padded the schedule a little bit um, because we we would we wouldn't want to deliver um, the project late, so we pad the the deadline a little bit, and hopefully we can get it out before then. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay, excellent. And so, being that game designer, have a lot of ideas. Is uh you know Kickstarter number four already? rolling around in your head or you haven't gotten that far yet um we've been play testing some some other games i I do have a project called mano umi right now which is a game about escaping this mysterious stormy sea which is kind of like the uh bermuda triangle in the pacific ocean um okay yeah, so that's like a, a puzzly two-player chess-like game that I've been working on all summer. So we'll see where that goes. It's still in development, um, but that could that could potentially be a, a game to look out for in the next few years. And then what's been, I guess, within the last uh, few months, just a game that you've played that you've been struck by and found really entertaining or really um, kind of intelligently built? Anything that's surprised you in a good way? Sure. Um, yeah, we, we got this Kickstarter game. Um, uh, I think it's a little lesser known, and it's called BetaBots. And this game has actually hit my top five games right now. Okay. Um, it's a really great, just it's like a bidding slash negotiation game where you're bidding for these parts to make your robots better, and then you have to negotiate with each other um, to, to go on these missions, and um, you're working... As a team, sort of, <laughs> to accomplish the missions, but you you're always trying to get the best reward out of the deal, and so it's a really um, cleverly simple and compelling game um, where you you really test your friendships. So I, I highly recommend <laughs> that one. <laughs> Any game where you test your friendship, I think that that's interesting. I, I I had that thought when I I backed the the last game you had the. Galactic debate now it's cosmocracy, where mm. you have these kind of debates about these science fiction like political issues, 
But I was thinking, like, man, I know some of my friends would get a little too into this <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe start getting too, a little too heated about it. But we haven't had that. So, but that beta box sounds interesting. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for your time, and certainly best of luck with the Kickstarter uh, campaign. It sounds like a really fun game, and even as you were talking about it, it sounds like the type of game that I could play with a wide variety of people. So, like, I could see playing this with folks, like, family at Christmas or, like, getting together with folks from college or high school. Like, I could see you playing it with a different group of people and it, the game takes on a little bit of a different characteristic where it's a little bit more fun and laid back to something that's a little bit more raucous <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah and we're we're going to our 10 year high school reunion soon so that's another fun scenario where we're hoping to bust it out and um hopefully you know break the ice a little bit keep people talking so you should bring the, you should bring the folks yeah. with the cameras and, and capture some of that <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> So, all right, well, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.